For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Conversations, Not Your Average Perspectives, Not Your Average Black Girls. So y'all, we have a special treat for you with this episode. So Jordan will not be joining us for this episode. However, in her place, we have Mama Pittman, Miss Val. So y'all are in for a treat because this is going to be good. (laughs) But before we get into our topic for today, I'm going to let Candice tell you guys about our Not Your Average Black Girl shout out. All right, you guys. So our Not Your Average Black Girl shout out for the day is LaShawn Flowers and Shanita Vickers. They have opened the first Black-owned Shell gas station in Hollywood, Florida. LaShawn and Shanita, they are not new to the business world. They previously owned a hair salon and a local bar slash nightclub, but unfortunately, those businesses had to close due to COVID. So the closures led them into pursuing a gas station purchase because gas stations are typically more stable. And so they were able to secure a two for one deal on two Shell gas stations. Their first Shell gas station is located at 2501 North University Drive, Hollywood, Florida, 33034. So if you are in that area, I highly suggest you go and patronize their business. You know, let it be known that this is a black business, black owned gas station and kind of help keep them running. And their second gas station that they plan to open in 2021 will possibly be in West Palm Beach. So be on the lookout for that. Well, that sounds cool. I'm glad to know about that. I mean, I'm not in Florida, but I mean, still, that's... that's Somebody in our listening might be, you know, you never know. That's pretty cool. Got to check them out if I'm ever in that part of Florida. I don't know. Anywho, we we are going to talk about some really interesting stuff today, y'all, since we are blessed with Jordan's mom's presence, we're going to talk about like some generational differences just with dating, politics, colorism, all the good stuff that, you know, I feel like we all talk about on Twitter. We're like, well, you know, they didn't do this back in the day or whatever. Um, So the first thing we're going to get into is dating, the differences between dating now, maybe for our generation and then dating for, you know, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation. Um, Since you are our guest, Miss Val, I'm going to let you kick it off and just tell us like how you feel like dating was, you know, for you when you were in your 20s or 30s. I don't know what age you got married at. So. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Um, thanks for allowing me to share my thoughts today. I'm excited about this. You know, I, dating, I'm not even sure if you all really date. Do you all really date anymore? I think so. I, th- <laughs> I think so. I mean, I consider... I consider um, myself to have dated, yeah. Yeah, we just starting out with fire, I see, Miss Val. (laughs) (laughs) Taking shots. (laughs) Well, you know, dating was so different. uh, Megan, as a matter of fact, I've been married since 
my entire adult life, I got married at 22 and I had just turned 22. Ooh. So I turned 22 in October and got married in December. So um, wow. I, I always say my husband and I, we grew up together. And I guess our dating was a little bit different. We dated for about a little bit over a year before we got married. But dating back then was different. You know, the guy came to pick you up. He would plan the date. He paid for the date. It was no questions about who was going to pay for the date. It wasn't anything about we're going to split the cost or things like that. So, <laughs> you know, he would call. We didn't have FaceTime, so we had to call you all the time, and you would talk, uh, write letters. We didn't have text messaging either, you know, back in the 80s. So uh, it was a lot different. So you spent a lot of time together, or every chance you could, you would you would spend together. And the guy really went out of his way to show you he cared. You know, he made it mm. clear he cared. And uh, and he would say he cared. Today, it seems like it's a lot different. Um, I don't think do all those things like, happen. Do you feel like the men back then were better at, like, planning the dates? Or did you have to, like, to guide them and tell them where they could possibly take you? Or if they told you they were taking you on a date that they already had it figured out? Usually they would already have it figured out, but I mean, you know, we didn't have so many options. You either went to dinner and went to a movie or occasionally, now I grew up in the South, in the country. So occasionally we would have concerts somewhere nearby. So we mm -hmm. would either, you know, if it was a concert, then that was a special date. A lot of planning went into it to make sure you could get there. But it was mostly just dinner and a movie or hanging out with friends. And then over time, you know, maybe going to, the few clubs that we had, but, um, you know, we didn't have all the options you all have now. We, we didn't go on vacation together or to the Maldives <laughs> or Hawaii, you know, we didn't do things like that. We, we didn't have the funds, nor did we have, it wasn't accessible. It seemed like it wasn't, we didn't know it was. So mm -hmm. it, it was a lot different, but you know, yeah. it was no question about it, but look, the men were still the same. They would cheat. They might would have multiple women. You know, so it was just harder to catch them then. Or maybe easier. I don't know. Maybe it was easier to catch them because they didn't, you know, they didn't have multiple phones. They only had one house phone. Nobody had a mm -hmm. cell phone. So, and, and they, the family probably only had one car. So if you saw that car in some place it wasn't supposed to be, and you know, it wasn't his mom or dad, then you knew it had to be him. So it was a lot easier, I guess, to catch him cheating, but <laughs> they still did some of the same things and we women did some of the same things too so um okay. i think it's a so lot of different. differences but not too many yeah not too but, many okay yeah i definitely um i think i mean i haven't really experienced this like in my current relationship but um with the expressing like your feelings and like saying how you feel and everything i definitely can see where that would probably have been way off because nowadays like I think with our generation is I don't know it's, it's borderline like not cool I guess I don't know if that's the right way to put it but it's almost like it's you know you're viewed as weak I think for a lot of men to like make it known you know how you feel like mm -hmm. it's you know I guess it's lame or whatever for you to want to be with one person um which is crazy to me but I yeah, think that, that goes on a lot. I agree, Megan. Like, that's definitely out there because I know, I feel like, and I talked about this before on a previous episode where I feel like 
the way that a lot of men are being raised is so parallel to the way women are being raised. And so with men, a lot of times they are strongly encouraged to like date around, you know, to play games, to not settle down or whatever. And women are encouraged to do the exact opposite in most cases. So I feel like that plays like a huge role into why we have that issue where it's like, we're always butting heads with, you know, these men, because it's like, well, I was told I need to get married. And then he was told he needed to stay single. (laughs) So it just doesn't really work out. So I don't know if that was a thing for you guys in this vow, like back in the day. You know, I think back in the day, everybody, I mean, like I said, the men played around and I think it was almost considered to be a natural thing that the man would play around. You know, he would Uh kind of be a playboyish type. And the, the woman was taught to, you're going to find the right guy and you're going to settle down and get married. And so I, I guess the same mindset, but now I have this discussion all the time. I think there have been a strategic action of, over the years to change that, you know, that whole, I guess, uh, family idea because you don't see or hear the family idea as much anymore. Since the men are no longer in the home the way they used to be, then when boys are growing up in the house and probably hear a lot of negative talk about the man that's not there, they're really not taught how to be a man. And so they see the woman carrying the family. And so maybe a lot of them just really don't know how, you know, to really be a man because that, we've lost that dynamics it's changed so i I, I think that's what you're seeing a lot of today i would have to agree i think um and we we touched on this before but i think just the the percentage of the single parent homes compared to once upon a time has tremendously affected everything about our generation um especially for men well and i can say for women too because i mean i'm not like this but i do know a lot of you know, women who are raised by a single mom and they have um very much so like just this bitterness, you know, towards men. And it's, you know, it's not something that they should hold on to, but at the same time, it's like, well, I can almost see why mm-hmm. they feel that way, especially if they kind of had like the kind of father who like, you know, lived well, did his thing, but never helped. And the mom struggled. Um, They have like this bitterness towards men and they don't trust them. And so when one who may know how to treat them does come along. It's like, they're very apprehensive because they feel like, you know, Oh, well, I know this won't last, you know, eventually his true colors will come out. So I think that all of that plays a huge role. Um, I was over here cracking up when Ms. Val was talking about like going to the Maldives and stuff. <laughs> because I was thinking, I was like, people do have those expectations. Like I know a lot of girls who are like, well, if he can't fly me out, I don't want to be together. <laughs> like expensive trips, like Bali, you know, like like Miss Val said, the Maldives, Hawaii. Hawaii is not cheap. Um, yeah, well, no. They want to go some of everywhere, but it's like no real yeah, no commitment. Yeah, yeah, no real connection. Right. Um, I feel like social media has caused that. 
um, has given people this idea in their heads that whatever they see some of these other, you know, influencers, quote unquote, doing, it's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the life I'm supposed to be living. And, you know, if he can't give me that, then he got to go. You know, sort of mentality. And yeah, like, that's not girl. You know that's not realistic. You do not live that life as people. Live. But also, <laughs> you, know you have to take into consideration that like some of these influencers or you know celebrities that you see doing these things have their own money. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes mm-hmm. it's not a matter of like, oh, he you know flew her out to this vacation. She could get there on her own. They just both happened to go. You know, I think versus with normal people like our generation they're expecting these average you know guys who don't make six figures to be able to afford these elaborate vacations just for them to give them the time of day i'm not even talking about like married people like just people who are dating you know you don't even know if it's gonna last um and the thing is you also don't know what these influences are doing to get what they have so it's like you have no idea if they're really get making any money. Some of these people could be in tremendous amount of debt, you know, just trying to appear as if they're living a certain lifestyle. And you really just don't know. You know, oh, that's, that's the thing true. about social media. Yeah. Everything is face value. Yeah. I, so you have no way of knowing. I think they replaced true love and commitment with uh, things. You know, it's the big mm-hmm. gifts, you know, so I can flaunt it on social media, you know, but there's nothing, there's no real true love and commitment no real connection and so once all of that gets old and they move on to the next one and I think that maybe is some of the reason why we're not seeing these relationships you know really blossom and grow and uh, and 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 you know just thinking about it I was thinking about something my dad used to say to me all the time my dad was born in the 30s and uh, when you think about um, a village you know and, and and so let me see if I can make this tie in he would always say if there was a a woman on the street whose husband had been taken away from the home for whatever reason then the the men would never let that woman and those children go without somebody would take that family in so the men were really truly the anchor of that community and they made sure that the women and the children were cared for so the man's role was really critical and important because back in those days Oftentimes the women didn't work outside of the house. It was the men that took care of things. And so over time, strategically, those, um, you know, those things, they've been torn down in our communities. And so our young men, they're not seeing that kind of man, that man that would not only take care of his family, but the neighbor's family, you know, in the time of that man's absence. And, you know, my dad would say during that time, they would like today, they would put men in jail for no real reason. And so you would make sure that those, you know, the family didn't go hungry and make sure the kids had what they needed. So that was in the 30s. But again, you know, so today we replace that with these shallow gifts of red bottoms and Louis Vuittons and and the trip to, uh, you know, somewhere. And we look good on social media, but then there is no real substance there. Mm -hmm. There's no real commitment there. Yeah, I agree that well. Let that be a lesson to all you listeners who shamefully were going in on some of these women who were doing that period challenge. Miss Val, I don't know if you know what the period <laughs> challenge was. I don't even know how to explain it, but I just know that I know a lot of people, like sadly, who were really shaming a lot of these women on social media. Who are doing the period challenge, you know, posting their 
um, wedding band set or engagement ring or whatever, you know, I just saw so many comments where people were like, oh, he doesn't love you. He bought you a, a cluster or he doesn't love you. <laughs> Look how small it is. And I was like, wow, <laughs> y'all are savage. And I, I just thought that was so sad because I was like, it might get you a laugh or a like or a comment or whatever. But I was just like, in all seriousness, how sad is it that, oh, so y'all think these women shouldn't be doing the challenger saying, oh, I wouldn't do that if my ring looked like that. Like that lady could have the best marriage known to man, but because you don't think her ring is what it should be, or um, it's a cluster, which apparently I know nothing about like diamonds because I didn't know until about two years ago that, that clusters was supposed to be like a bad thing. Um, but just, you know, I just thought that was so superficial. I was like, oh my God, this is why some of y'all don't have a man. Ain't never going to have a man. Like, if you have one, he's not going to treat you right because y'all focus on the wrong things. Like, I, I, just was, I thought that was so nasty. I was like, oh my God, shaming these people. Yeah, that that's great. And again, we're going back to material things. So, you know, oh, your value, uh, how much you love me is shown in the value of whatever you give me. But that mm. is not going to last very long. And look, the one with the cluster, they got money in the bank, so they'll be okay. But yeah. the one with the big solitaire, they're still trying to pay on the ring, you know, and that's all they can do. So, um, Just another bill. Another bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, outside of um, dating, Dice, is anything else you wanted to say on dating? Um, not really. I was just going to say, I know one of the things that, you know, our generation has probably had to deal with at least more openly, I would think, than your generation, Ms. Val, is the whole gender terms and sexuality. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally have never had to deal with, like, I never dated anybody who wasn't sure of their gender. Um, I have unknowingly dated a person who was confused about their sexuality, unbeknownst to me. Um <laughs> Right. So <laughs> it happens. Uh, you know, luckily, you know, me and that person did end before they started, you know, being out there. Um, but I found out from them later that, you know, the reason why a major part of the reason why the relationship ended is because they discovered that they were um, gay, for lack of a better term. I can't put it any other way than what it was. Um, discovered they were gay. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like it's becoming pretty commonplace uh, in our generation. And I'm not really sure. I know back in the day, they didn't seem to talk about homosexuality or, you know, men wanting to be women or women wanting to be men. So I wonder if that was ever any sort of issue or discussion back then. You know, no, not, I, I don't ever remember, you know, back then, I mean, we're making it seem like it was in the twenties or the thirties, but back <laughs> in the eighties, in the eighties, you know, if a guy was gay, he, chances are he didn't want anyone. So it was one or two ways you would never know, or it was very obvious. He was either flaming or completely in the closet. And I think it was the same mm -hmm. for the women, you know, either it was obvious or completely in the closet today. And look, I have no, nothing against anybody. I think everybody has a right to be whoever they choose to be, but I am just, I'm just confused about most of this. I mean, it is just, it's too much. It's too many letters. We keep getting a new letter added <laughs> all the time. And I, I, this whole fluid thing and all of these different, you know, I, I like this one and that one and all of them, and it doesn't matter. And, 
So this is a lot. And I, I, I think this is one more thing to complicate the community and to complicate our children that are already trying to just, I, I think, get through the world now with the challenges that they're facing. And so now not, you know, having two mamas at home or two daddies at home or the trans, you know, a mama that used to be a man. And I, I'm, that is just a lot, y'all. I, so for you all that's dating or I know you ladies are engaged or almost married. So, but I can imagine <laughs> for the single, single ladies and men that's out there, it's, it's almost unfair. I, I think it's mm-hmm. just, I think people deserve to know the truth right up front. And so if yeah. you're any one of these and you're out there, it, be honest, let people know who you are and then let them decide if this is something they want to be a part of. Because I don't mm-hmm. think it's fair to pull people in, making them think you're somebody that you initially wasn't and now you are. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that's all I got to say. Everybody be who you want to be, you know, be happy. Life is short. So you got a right to be happy, but be honest and tell yeah, people I right agree. off the bat. Yeah, I agree with the honesty tip for sure. I know that, um, and I know I've heard several people say that, you know, one of the reasons that like transgender people typically feel like they have to earn your trust or they need to trust you before they can be honest is because of like hate crimes and everything. And so I get that. Like I get the, you know, I feel like you got to move, you got to move smart. You know, you got to make sure that the person you're potentially pursuing isn't like, one of those people that would do something like that, you know, get to know them before you just tell all your business. But no, I agree. I've seen lots of stories where people are in relationships for years and years and years. Then it's time to get married. And you just now find out that that person um, is transgender. Um, And I do believe that, you know, once you get that serious, I mean, disclosure should have already, should have already taken place. Mm. You can't, um, voluntarily sign someone else up for something that they don't know how they feel about yet because you never put it on the table. But I think that a part of the reason why it's so difficult now, I always put like sexuality um, and sexual identity into this box where I feel like it's kind of one of those things that has always been around, but I think that it was kept so like bottled in for so long that now unfortunately people are just now starting to um you know learn and and talk about it and so it's going to take so long i kind of in my mind i kind of look at it as well if black people still going through what they going through with trying to be accepted then i know we got just as long of a way to go if not longer when it comes to anything with sexuality or gender roles or whatever yep i agree I agree. It ain't going nowhere no time soon. Covered that dating pretty well. (laughs) No, we did. That was fun. Um, I know one of my favorite topics in the world um, is politics. Like, I tell people all the time, I don't know when. At some point in my life, I'm going to make it on The View. Um, (laughs) If the show is still around, because I don't think they're letting any 20-year-olds on right now. Um, But I'm going to make it on there one day. But I'm curious to know, like, in the 80s and everything, Miss Val, with politics, like, and just, like, activism and everything, how how was it then? Because 
I've always been curious to know, like, if there was a huge difference, if it's the same, if it's always been this intense, you know, just how was it um, when you were coming up? It was actually this intense uh, in the 80s. And and for a while there, I thought things had calmed down. So I'll say in the early, you know, thousands, it seemed like we were on a good path. And now, but now you realize that we really hadn't come very far. Actually, we maybe have digressed and gone beyond, you know, back to the 60s and before. So politics have always been an issue. But I will say that I believe candidates were a little bit more sincere. Now we, we have a lot more of, um, you know, uh, what not as sincere, not genuine candidates that's willing to pretend to be Democrat to get Democrats vote. And then when they get in their position, then they, you know, vote uh, totally opposite of, you know, what the what their constituents thought or expected. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's, it's always been a tricky game, but I, I, I feel people were a little bit more on the up and up back then, maybe. A uh, lot of activism, even during that time. Education has always been an issue. Uh, education will forever be an issue. The difference then, I think, was parents really tried to educate at home and not just depending on the school system to educate. Now we're just putting the total burden on our school systems to mm-hmm. educate our kids. And we're not even sending disciplined kids to school. So it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to educate somebody mm-hmm. that don't know how to sit down and be quiet, you know, or if they're having some kind of issue, medical issue that needs to be addressed and they fail to do that, make sure yeah. that they receive the care that they need, uh, mental health or, you know, physical health care. And, and, and then medications come into that too. Some children really need to be on medication. And not necessarily something dealing with, you know, the um, hyperactivity or things like that, but just really uh, health medications that parents can't afford to get the children. So mm-hmm. all of those things come into play. And then let's not mention uh, kids being hungry. And that has been an issue before now. And so it surprises me to know that we still have children out there that are hungry because so many programs have been put in place over the years to make sure children are, hung, are not hungry, mm-hmm. that they can get fed, you know, free lunches, uh, the WIC programs and food stamps and all of these other things. And then I think food is cheaper and it's a lot more plentiful. Now, it might not be the best food, but it seems as though just anywhere you go now, you could buy something to eat. You know, even the Dollar Tree sells pretty yeah. good food name yeah. brand you know food so <laughs> yeah. cause, because i go in there and buy things myself so uh i mean look del monte canned goods that, that that's a good canned good so to me there is you know i it i almost find it like unbelievable but i know it happens i know there are some parents out there that are truly struggling and if you're only being paid seven fifty an hour and you might even be working two jobs, but that makes it real hard to provide a roof over their heads and provide food. And so I understand, but it, it's been this way, Megan, and it seems like it's not going to get any better. And you know what's hurting now? We used to have gardens back in those days, and that would be not necessarily a community garden, but there would be multiple people in the community that had gardens. And mm-hmm. the women could go over, well, the families could go over and get, you know, tomatoes and greens and cabbage and peppers 
and then the men had cattle. You know, they would have hogs and and cows, and every year, a certain time of year, they would slaughter maybe a hog and a cow, and they would give this neighbor some and that neighbor some. And so you had those options. And today we don't see a lot of that anymore. The garden thing is kind of picking up, but not like it should. And so uh, I, I think that makes a big difference too when it comes to politics and the people that are put in place, make sure that they know what their uh, communities really truly need and they fight to make sure that they get them. And so we're not getting that all the time. Or oftentimes the people that we put in, in those positions just don't have that ability to maneuver and manipulate you know, that whole political arena to get what their constituents need. And so I, I, I've seen that in small towns. In a small town, actually, where I went to school, they, you know, they elected a lady that was just, she, she her intentions and her heart is there, but her ability to do what's needed is just not there. So um, that could be a problem. So politics, it, it has always been an issue and it will always look like be an issue. Mm-hmm. yeah i love politics i tell jordan and dice all the time that like my views could not be more opposite from this girl but i love 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 me some um megan mccain oh because... i thought you was gonna say candace owens i was gonna choke no. you on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> no i just love um I love me some Megan McCain. I think it's partially because like, I think we're very similar with the um, force that we use, like when it comes to our standpoints on things. And I just, um, I just love how she won't back down from like yeah. what she believes. I love how she sticks to it, no matter the press that she gets for it. Cause they always seem to like, you know, it's very different men. If they're forceful or say what they think on politics, you know, they're strong, they're a good leader. And then, Anytime that the women do it, um, you know, they're emotional. Oh, they were out of control on the show today. So it's just, you know, two completely different narratives. But I definitely think that with our generation, I feel like I've observed some people become more aware than they maybe were in the past. I think especially with young Black people that when Obama was in office, I think a lot of people got comfortable and didn't feel the need to educate themselves or stay up to date on maybe who some of their local um, elected officials were. But now, you know, that we're a lot more unhappy. I feel like I've seen a major turn and people just know so much about, you know, okay, you need to register to vote by, by this date. And, you know, your local election is this, but then, you know, the overall one is this. I didn't see that before, but now that I see it, um, I'm pretty excited about it. But I was curious to know if it was always that way. I feel like, we're in a unique time right now. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it might be, well, it's unique for your generation, but it's, it's an old, you know, we've been here before. And so mm. look, politics play into everything. And I think politics play into what you all are doing. And I, I really applaud. I'm excited about what you all are doing. And so I don't want to say anything that's going to hinder what you're trying to accomplish here, but just remember everybody, I'm a guest. So I won't be back on here in a while. <laughs> uh, probably never. So what I'm about to say, but you know, Megan, back in the day, black people stuck together. Mm-hmm. We, we, we mm-hmm. did. We stuck together a lot better than what I'm seeing today. When I see blacks for Trump, I'm like, who are these people? Where well, are same. they from? Actually, when I see anybody for Trump, I say, who are these people? And where are they from? <laughs> 
because you couldn't be that stupid. I mean, you know what? I, you you can hate me all day, but I can't imagine what makes you think I'll destroy this country and I'll be okay just as long as they hurt. If you destroy the country, we all going to hurt. You know, mm-hmm. so, so the things that I'm seeing and these black folks that say Trump is for, I mean, just please shut, just, oh, oh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine. But like I said, I can't imagine anybody. But, you know, we, we, we stuck together. I think the one thing that black people don't understand when it comes to politics is it's not going to always be your way. And it might not always be what you want at that time. But we're going to have to stick together as a whole and your time will come. You know, whatever your your immediate interests and needs are, they might not be addressed right now. But as long as we get the right politician in place, we can put that in front of him or her and push that cause. You know, but if we're not willing to stick together because I don't I don't like him, I don't like her. Well, she's this and she's that. Uh, duh. You know, they all have some faults and nobody right. unless you go and run for that p- political uh, position and, and and what you might be thinking to be so important might only be important for you a very few people. So we got to understand that it's for the it's a the bigger good. You know, it's a bigger good and it's for the the the, the all of us. It's not just it's what's going to benefit all of us the most and not just one little pocket of people. And so I think I think you all got to get into politics. We need you. We need we need your uh, creativity. We need your energy. We need your vision, because uh, in order for things to go forward in a more positive way uh, for, you know, I, I can't believe we're still fighting to get people to accept us for who we are. So now they're to the point, let's say, let's just kill them all then, huh? Since they won't, mm-hmm. you know, we tried conforming. That wasn't enough. So what 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 now? Let's just kill everybody. So uh, everybody that don't look like us, you know. So I, I think you all got a fight on your hands. I think you have a fight on your hands. I honestly thought that things were was changing. I thought this mm-hmm. newer generation, this younger generation, would be a little bit more understanding and accepting. So when I see these young folks that are against minorities, you know that it hurts. Because I, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm expecting a change here. We're here to stay. We're not going anywhere. Hell, you wouldn't be here if we hadn't been here. And so um, you all just, I'm glad you love it because we need you. And I agree. I like Megan McCain, too. I think that she's a good role model. You, you, you know, yeah. believe in what you believe in and stand firm on it and don't let anybody sway you in any way. Because we see, you know, social media uh, the media as a whole, they really like to prod and try to, you know, break you down. And, and so you got to be ready. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't wear your feelings on your shoulder. You got to be ready to, to fight back and just stand fast on whatever you believe. So, but we need younger people in politics. We really do. Yeah, I hope to do it one day. I really do. Um, Dice, how do you feel about Paul? I've never really like heard you express any type of like interest in politics. 
Um, I would say I don't have like a very strong interest. Uh, I have more interest now than before. I'll say that like ever since Trump got in office, I paid a lot more attention to what's going on because I think in my adult life, he was the first president to make me nervous. <laughs> um, so I was like, let me see what this man is doing because I don't know about this, you know? So that's when I kind of just woke up, but I will say I, I had an interest more so in activism. Um, politics for me, I don't really like either party, if I'm being honest, because I feel like they're both flawed in their own ways. Mm -hmm. And I watch people argue each other down all the time on social media about why they're a Republican, why they're a Democrat. And I'm just like, if you go and you take even just 10 minutes and do a little research on both of those parties, you will see why both of them have issues. And so I'm just like, yeah, I don't really identify too much with any of that. Um, I guess some people would call that a liberal, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, be I'm, liberal, I'm be in the liberal. Middle. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm kind of in the middle with it, but I do like the activism part of politics. Um, when the Black Lives Matter movement first started, I did go to a protest and I will say it was, it was life changing in a way because I would always read about protesting and the civil rights movement and that kind of stuff. But to actually like be a part of that moment was just a totally different experience. And when I tell y'all, like it was hot, <laughs> you had to sit on the asphalt. Like I was like, could you imagine like doing this, especially back in like the fifties and the sixties and you know, people used to really dress. I'm talking about you have on heels, you have on your church clothes, you have the hat, you have, I mean, and then turn around and sitting on asphalt and then turn around and having, you know, officers hold you down and, all kind of stuff, you know, I just could not imagine. So I'm like, the little, the little baby protest I did <laughs> was nothing in comparison to what they did. And so, yeah, I just feel like for me, being out there, putting your viewpoint out there, even if it's not necessarily political, but when, you know, injustice is injustice at the end of the day. And so being able to, you know, watch so many Black men and also Black women, but clearly primarily black men, you know, be attacked by these police officers, killed by these police officers should move anybody. And that's the only part that I feel like I kind of have an interest in is I'm like, yeah, we need to do something about this because this, this is getting out of hand. Like, and I think like some people say, it's probably always been there, mm -hmm. but now we have the cameras and the mobile devices and, you know, we have the awareness. So it's like, okay, there's no excuse now for you to turn a blind eye because it's in your face. You know, it's on national news now. But we see yeah. the laws are written in a way where they're still getting away with it. We see yeah, it. We know are. it's not, uh, it shouldn't happen. But some, well, it's not some way, somehow. Again, here we go to the politics, Megan. Because we hadn't been involved when laws are being passed, when we have right. all these referendums yeah. on the ballots. And oftentimes people don't go to vote because it's just something minor. It's not a major election. Mm -hmm. Not understanding that these little small minor changes end up being big for our community right. and that's what's happening we don't have uh representation the way we should to get the message out that hey you need to get to the polls this is how this is gonna impact you and and and, and the media plays a part into it you know when mm -hmm. clinton was uh president and we put this three strikes uh you know life in prison uh law into place and because they had built up this whole crack situation yeah. and marijuana situation in our communities and we were seeing a lot of discourse in our community and a lot of crime had gone up we thought that was a good idea not understanding the long-term effects of that so i think there's a man I, I can't remember what state i should have uh remembered his name in what state and i, I want to say it's louisiana that's in prison for stealing 
like $20 or something. But because it was his third strike, he was given a life sentence and it all had been little petty crimes. And so when these laws are, are, you know, put in place, you better believe it's always in a way to impact the black community the most. And we need, we need to be the first ones at the poll. But if we are always committing crimes that's giving us these felonies that then take our voting rights away and then we fail to follow through once we're released from prison to make sure that we can get our voting rights back, then we are off the roll. We can't vote. And if you notice, crime rates, they're pretty high. The average age of these criminals now, 14, 15, 16 years old. So you're getting felonies, some capital murder felonies at 14 and 15 you probably never be able to vote. You never voted and you'll never be able to vote. And now they're arresting uh, protesters, aren't they, Dice? And charging, they're trying to charge some of them with felonies. I think oh, they yeah. did that oh, in yeah. Kentucky, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So you got to yeah. understand what the intent of this is. So the few of us that's a- eligible to vote, then we lose our voice. Yeah. So, we, you know, we can't, we can't make change. And that- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Is, I will say, is amongst like, our generation, that is probably, I agree with what you were saying earlier about we still have a ways to go on the unity tip as far as like black people. But um, for our age group, I'm pretty impressed with just like the people I know who once upon a time didn't care anything about voting. And now they're kind of some of the main ones who are like, okay, well, don't forget your local local election is this day. And okay, we're voting on this, we're voting on that. And um, I know that across Georgia, there have been over the past couple of years, some pretty tight like local elections because more people are getting out. And I think that's, um, you know, that's shaking up some of these big names a little bit because now they know that we know Mm -hmm. where we need to be and when we need to be there. And so I'm excited. Um, I'm prepping myself for waiting in line November 3rd because, you know, they try to discourage you by making it difficult and hours and hours of waiting in line but i can do it um on that note (laughs) let me say one more thing megan too let me put let me put this out here to you all and to your listeners if you have candidates in your local states or other states that you really support support why not donate five dollars or ten dollars because they really need the money for the campaign and so that's what i've decided to do this year no matter what state if there's a candidate that i like or if somebody i'm familiar with in Georgia, you got Reverend Warnock. I'm very familiar with him. I've donated a couple of times uh, to his campaign. So if if you have candidates that you really like, I say give them five dollars, give them ten, help them build their uh, you know campaign fund so they can get out there and push their agenda and hopefully uh, win these elections. We need people that we support and we believe in in place. Amen. I really like this um young guy who's running in Georgia, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to touch on colorism if we could, because I know that we talk about this all the time and like 
between myself, Jordan, and Dice, we got like three different skin tones going on here. But we talk about all the time just like the stereotypes and, you know, I think it's really important just to look at like, was it this bad always or has it just progressively gotten worse or has it gotten better and maybe we like just don't realize it's nothing compared to what it used to be? I mean, I don't know. How do y'all feel about it? I think it's gotten better. Um, It's always been around, but I I think it has gotten better. You know, I could say with you and Jordan, you all are part of an organization that normally your skin color wouldn't have been a part of that organization. You know, so uh, I I think that's an indication that uh, things have progressed. Sadly, but um, it shouldn't have never been an issue because we come in all shades. And so I, but, but it has been an issue in the past. I mean, when I was in college, you know, if you were, the lighter you were, the prettier you were to the guys, you know, the longer your hair, you know, it was about your hair. If your hair was nice and soft and fine and you were prettier, you had that kinky curly hair. And I think that's why we fought so hard to get those perms to try to get it as straight as possible, you know. You couldn't change your skin color. We wasn't really into, although bleaching has been around for a long time, but most of us was not into that bleaching thing. So, you know, it was there uh, and it was, it was, you know, relevant, but uh, I think it has gotten better. I think people are a little bit more open and uh, it's about time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) I guess I'm just thinking about like, um, I guess some of the ignorance that I see amongst, you know, our generation with people and their stereotypes um, have the stereotypes of, you know, dark skinned women kind of being like um, less polished, you know, the more loud, whatever, um, more ghetto, but light skinned women being, you know, more put together, more kind of prim and proper. Like, has that kind of always been, the case or is that something that's kind of newer i've always been curious to know that because i see a lot of people put that stereotype on darker women a lot like they expect them to be you know um uneducated you know they expect them to be just ignorant about a lot of things they expect them to be ghetto they don't expect them to speak i guess in a normal way where average person could understand them like there are just so many stereotypes on them you know, I, I actually I heard Jordan mention something about that lately, and I was surprised to hear that. Um, I guess when I think about it, it has always been there. You know, there is a um, some research, and it, it's probably from the '60s or '70s that talked about the fact that teachers would not teach would not look directly to at or teach directly to the dark skin children in the classroom. They always focused on the lighter complected uh, children in the classroom. So I'm not sure what that whole idea is all about. I, I don't know what that stereotype is all about. It has been around. I, you know, I, I remember, but, but it was not, I can't remember it being, say hurtful it was never done in a hurtful way now if the teacher were not looking directly at a dark skin child then I never picked up on that and I didn't realize that but just growing up in my community 
I don't recall any problems. I never heard anybody say anything negative about anybody, uh, complexion. So, and then I, you know, I went to HBCU for college, so we were, you know, all colors, but I do know that it was pretty obvious. Like I said, that there was some organizations you didn't see dark skinned girls in those organizations. You mostly saw lighter, brighter skinned girls, you know? So, but I, I don't recall any real conversations or anybody saying anything. So it was kind of what covertly, if it was being done, maybe it wasn't intentional. It was just a norm. It had become a norm. Maybe it was just something people did and they just didn't think about what they were doing. I don't think they intentionally tried to hurt uh, people, but now I do know, um, you know, as I got older and had children. And so my Jordan is a chocolate baby. Uh, we had this experience. I don't know if she ever shared this with you all. I try to make it fast. We were in a restaurant in Nebraska once and a little girl, she, Jordan was only two herself and a little girl, uh, just round three, she saw Jordan. And I think she thought Jordan was a doll actually. When she first walked up to her, she just looked at her and she walked away and she got back to her seat. And then she, she just, she couldn't take her eyes off of her. And then she walked back over to her and she looked at her again and then she touched her and she rubbed her arm and she ran off and she looked at her hand. And so she was trying to see if Jordan was dirty. And so I had to get her parents' attention to say, hey, this is what she just did. And this was in, what, this was in uh, like 1998 or 99. Wow. And you know what the, the mom said to me? She said, you know, I think this maybe is her first time seeing a black person in, in, in life, you know, in full life, she's seen you on TV. I'm sorry, but she's never seen you in life. And so she, you know, she was very apologetic. And, but I thought, and I told her, I said, you know, shame on you. You know, here we are. I, I did. I said, shame on you to not allow this baby to see That's more than just you all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I said, and, and I'm offended that she would come and wipe my baby's arm to see if she was dirty. So I say that has some, you know, to me, that has to do with some conversations in the house, unless the people she had been around, you know, when anytime they were darker, they were dirty. So it, it still just spoke volumes to me about that family. But, um, I, you know, I think that was the first time, honestly, in my whole life that color just really hit me. In the, now, look, when I was growing up, we had in our doctor's office, we had a black waiting room and a white waiting room. You know, you didn't go in the same oh, wow. waiting room, but, but it, it was different. But that day when that little girl did that, I mean, that really, it, it brought tears to my eyes for Jordan and for that little girl and Jordan being the feisty little thing she was, she was like, why did she do that? Why did she do that? You know, she didn't, she didn't understand that at all. And I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was sad. It was sad on, on to me, for that little girl too, to say that, you know, she had never seen a black person in life. Um, so. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that, that colorism thing. Um, so you see it in our, our own communities, you know, you see it a lot in our own communities. And then of course you're seeing it outside of our communities, but I'm hoping that this thing is going to fade. You know, I think the media has done a good job 
and making uh, it clear that all women are beautiful, no matter the mm. color, no matter the race. And so I will give them credit for really building that up. And we're seeing, I've seen that more and more, I'll say over the last year or so, you're seeing more models of really dark complexion, you know, and they, they're highlighting those women. So I think we're going to see maybe that whole concept kind of fade uh, a little bit more, hopefully, hopefully. I know one thing that's different now that I imagine probably didn't happen back then is the white people wanting to be black to the point where they are pretending like Rachel Dolezal, for example. Uh, <laughs> she's probably the most prominent example I could think of, but yeah. Exactly. I you know, I, 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 I don't recall ever a white person wanting to be black, pretending to be right. black. <laughs> Until that, you know, recently, there might have been some black people pretending to be white because they're, you know, right. they were right there on the board and you couldn't really tell. So it might have mm-hmm. been a lot of of, of uh, black people that went for white, but I don't recall ever knowing anybody wanting to be black. And, you know, there was a young girl recently, uh, I think that had gotten a college scholarship or something, gotten her graduate degree using that uh, affirmative affirmative action opportunity, mm-hmm. pretending to be black. And she, you know, she's not, of course, she's not black at all, but that's the first. So look, you don't want me, but you want to be me. So I say maybe now right. they're planning on replacing us with themselves. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see what it is, is I just feel like, you know, they want the, you want the perks, you want the beauty that you think, that you observe comes with being black, but you don't want the problems. You know, you want the, and they want the culture. Yes, mm-hmm. you want the culture. You mm-hmm. want to seem cool. You want the body. You want the music. You want to say the n word. Yes, so that's the thing. That's, you know, oh they want to say the n word. Oh my god, so mm-hmm. bad. Wait, so have bad. they not said it enough? And that's that exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's hey. how I feel. Have you not gotten enough, just historically, of saying it? And you know, it's funny. One time we were we were so ugly, we were this, we were that, you know, we, oh gosh, if you were curvy, oh my God, you wasn't healthy, you know, all of these things. And so now, you know, you're getting injections, you blowing your lips mm-hmm. up, you, you, you know, uh, that uh, Rachel, she even did something to her hair, didn't she? She tried to get her hair mm-hmm. a little bit more kinky. Yeah. And all she does now is keep these braids and stuff in, so I guess she could try to keep the mystery going, but... She loves a braids and some in a wig. In a wig. So <laughs> in a curly wig. I'm not understanding what benefits do they think they're getting. I have no idea. No. I don't idea. know either. Like I think for you know, for some younger folks, obviously it's a marketing thing they know that they can appeal to more people if they have i guess you know that look or whatever um if they dress a certain way, they get their body done a certain way. They can bring in more people who would be willing to buy their products or go see their movie or whatever it is that you do. But no, nah, for the people who are like, <laughs> like that Rachel Dolezal, I never understood what she got out of that. I never understood. Like I, I, that baffled me that she thought she had to pretend to be black to show that she is a supporter for black people and their rights and et cetera. As if she I mean, would be the first her... white person to try to say, I want to help black people. That baffled I'll me. give her a small amount of credit because at least she tried to do something positive with her fakeness. Yeah. 
you know, and like some of these celebrities who are just, you know, ripping off black women and their style and their culture and the hair and everything and not doing anything to better the black community, you know, so I'm like, at least she did that, but it was still wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people argue too, that that's privilege. The fact that she was able to pretend to be black is a privilege because black people most, most of the time cannot pass for white. Mm-hmm. There are very few of us who are pale enough to be able to pass for white. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying that's privilege in and of itself that you can just choose. Oh, I'm just going to be another race today. <laughs> Look, it's just ridiculous. No matter what you try to do, you can never be us. We are amazing people. It's not just about our outside, but it's what's on the inside. And so you mm-hmm. can, you know, darken your skin and and tease your hair and braid it if you want, but you still will never be us. And so right we are, we are <laughs> see, we've always known what we were. We are it. We, I mean, we are the it, you know? So yeah, I, I can see. Okay. I do see why you want to be it, but you'll never be. So just right. pretend you just pretending you'll never be. That's a great, that's a great way to end this discussion. <laughs> you will never be us. You can't sit with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. But see, And that's just it dice though. That's just it. The tables are turning and some people can't handle it. It's about you time. Know? Mm-hmm. It's about time. We unity, spent so long unity. having to, you know, suppress what we thought about our beauty, our minds, whatever it is that makes, you know, being black so special. Now we're getting to this point to where people are loud and proud mm-hmm. and it's certain people who can't handle it. But exactly. well, why can't I be a part of it? No, 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 no. This is for us. Yep. You've tried to <laughs> suppress it too long. Now we, we're free. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no, no, I agree one hundred percent. I know me and my mama talk about this all the time. Okay, y'all, I know you're waiting on it. We are about to get into our not your average news segment, and Dice is going to kick us off with some fun facts about our fave Beyonce. Yes, I just thought this was interesting, so I just want to throw it in here that. Beyonce's name was actually her mother's last name. So, you know, Mama Tina, her last name was Beyonce. And she said that how that came to be was, I guess, when her mother had had her and her brother, the hospital messed up on the spelling of the name. And so where the O is, is actually supposed to be an I. So I don't know if it's supposed to be Beyonce or Beyonce or something like that. But either way, it's like a French name. And she said that her mother tried to argue with the people to change the name. And they basically told her, you know, you're lucky to be getting a birth certificate at all because you're black and really y'all don't count, you know, something like that. And so in their family, some people's last name is spelled with the I and then some people's is spelled with the O because <laughs> it's wrong. So anyways, I thought that was a good fun fact about Beyonce. Kind of sad though, but interesting to know. I never knew that. You just blew my mind, child. <laughs> um, well, look, check this out. My middle name is Teresa and my mom spelled it T-E-R-E-S-A. And the nurse changed it and put an H in it. So it was never supposed to be T-H-E-R-E-S-A. so they would do that they would do that and my mom was a teacher so of course she knew how she wanted right she knew what she wanted she knew what she wanted so yeah they just took it into their own hands do what they want to do exactly exactly who child that's why i got to try to have my future kids at a midwife center or something they probably were like oh she just made a mistake let me put that h in there exactly (laughs) no you just have you all can stand up to them now you know yeah Yeah, it it was you just lucky to be at the hospital so that's so sad um 
All right, y'all. Cardi B filed for divorce allegedly. I have not seen where she's confirmed, so I am going to put allegedly on there. But um, another allegation that's kind of been floating around in the blogs is that apparently people are saying that um, Offset hasn't been faithful throughout the entire marriage and she just finally got fed up. Now, from what I read, it's not like there's been a long-standing affair. There just have been several women in between during the whole marriage. Um, you know, I'm sure eventually the truth will reveal itself, but uh, pro- I always say, you know, props to her for being willing to recognize what she does and doesn't deserve and moving on and uh maybe the next man will recognize what he has yeah i agree I, i'm not um, touching this one y'all i'm i'll leave it <laughs> <laughs> it's okay there's enough people out there talking about it so it's okay mm-hmm. um this one is personally near and dear to my heart and i was just so devastated <laughs> um so i don't know if any of you or any of you listeners have watched netflix's cheer series Oh my goodness. So Jerry Harris, who was just this beloved member of that cheer team. I mean, everybody loved Jerry. Jerry was super positive. He was so supportive, such a sweet guy. And he has been accused of child pornography and has been placed under arrest. And I was in complete shock. And I'm not going to take too long on this because I'm just so devastated. But I was in complete shock by it. I was like, there's just no way that he did something like that. And basically, they said that it was through Snapchat. He was conversing with 13-year-old boys. I think there were two of them that we know about. And they were sending, you know, lewd images. Like, ooh, y'all, this is not... I'm sorry. I apologize if you were sensitive to these topics, as you should be. But... Yes, um, they were exchanging lewd images. And, you know, at one point, I think one of the kids or both of the kids were in like a cheer program with him. And supposedly there was some actual in-person sexual things that took place. So again, you know, Jerry Harris is a grown man. These are tweens, you know, 13-year-old kids. um, And they were involved. And there's even another rumor flying about, and I don't know if this is true, there's a rumor flying about about the payments. So supposedly he was making payments to one of the the kids' parents Ooh, or yeah. something like it, it's it's getting real it's weird. Um but I will say the only thing that made it to the actual legitimate news was that they were 13 and that there was Snapchat exchanges of inappropriate images in a possible in-person um incident. So, you know, Obviously, Jerry Harris, this is it for him. Whether it's true or not, which is kind of looking like it's true, um, this is over. This is this. You is know, it. I've never seen Cheer. Now I think I'll go watch it. I mean, it oh was gosh. one of those ones that it's one of those Netflix things to where like I've been meaning to watch it, but I just haven't. Um, but wow, I hope he. If it's true, I'm just gonna say this, and then we can move on. Man, he don't realize how far he just set us back on the whole male cheerleader thing. Because you know it has taken a long time for people not to be so judgmental or or stereotypical um, about men who are cheerleaders. Which, that's always been stupid to me. Because don't you think they need help to lift the girls, like, at some point? But, you know, he just set us back with that one. And And men started it, so there's that. He black. Lord have mercy. Yeah. That's terrible. Well... 
on the note of black people, the Emmys took place not too long ago, of course, virtually, because y'all know COVID. Um, and black actors made history with the most wins ever, 23 total, y'all. So I I was so excited. I watched majority of it. Um, special shout out to Zendaya, y'all. She made history to be the youngest person to receive an Emmy for Best Lead Actress in a Drama. Um, super exciting. She is just trailblazing right through her career, setting the tone for young Black women. I hope y'all caught it. I don't know if y'all caught it or not, but I watched a good bit of the Emmys because I love stuff like that. I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I know Zendaya, but I, you know, I got to remember if I've seen that movie or not, sadly. Oh Lord, I, you got to talk. I was going to say, when Jordan hears this, she's going to be I like, have a fit. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be like, yes. we're going to watch that show next time we get, she's going to make you binge watch. She loves so that, that's, that's, you're not, you're not going to be able to run away. Uh-oh. You're going to definitely know very soon. She's going to make you like sit down and watch everything Zendaya's ever been in. <laughs> um, Megan the Stallion, cousin Meg, graced the cover of Time magazine. She was named one of the most influential people in the world. Y'all know we stan Meg over here. I just love her. Um, so excited for her, and I think she's just gonna keep continuing to crush it. Did you see the cover, Dice? I did. She looked good. I did. It was very Grecian. Yeah. They went with a Grecian feel. She looked- but I know they couldn't have her on Time magazine with no clothes on. So <laughs> <laughs> Because we know Megan like to wear no clothes, yeah. so they're probably like, girl, we're going to let you show this leg, and that's as it. As little as possible, <laughs> yes. But she looked yeah. good. I was I was proud. Um, And then, unfortunately, I mean, don't want to spend too much time on it, but I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that um the other night, Tory Lanez released an album, pretty much. I heard there were 17 songs on it. I refuse to listen to it. He's not going to get that stream or that dollar, however much they get from me. Um, But he released an album, and it was pretty much disputing Meg's claim that he shot her, which is the last thing I expected to hear because, well, then who shot her? Um, I mean, her. they've already said that her best friend didn't do it. Are you saying that your bodyguard slash driver, whoever he was, is the one who shot her? Like, that's not much better. Um, so, you know, I just think just, you know, sad. And then in the midst of all this stuff going on with Breonna Taylor at that, like, just, you know, another example at how we have so much work to do because, Black women just have to work so hard to be believed and then respected. And um, personally, I think he took an L. He should have got on live or did an interview with Oprah like everybody else when a scandal happens. Um, But he chose to release an album and, you know, profit off of her pain and experience. So stay tuned on that. I mean, he claims he didn't shoot her y'all. So at this point it's, it's, it's to your own interpretation. You decide who you want to believe. It's a never ending story. It just needs to end. Yeah. He's, he's not going to admit to it. So I guess she shot herself is what he's saying. Well, you know, from my perspective, this brings in another dynamics. You know, we were talking about dating and, and, and since you all, we are all black women, in our communities, it's time for accountability too. So this kind of goes along with that. I think, um, you know, the man has to be a a man and he has to be accountable for his actions. And I don't think Mm -hmm. just because you are somebody famous, you get to get, you know, to uh, not be accountable. And so for him to not even acknowledge or admit 
what he'd done and the fact that she saved him. She didn't tell the cops initially what happened, trying to avoid him being hurt or injured or herself being hurt or injured. So you see how, you know, we got a lot of work to do in our in our community because the mm-hmm. woman must be respected. I think LeBron James said it the best that the black woman is the least respected uh, human being in the United States or maybe even the world, he, he said. So, but we're going to have to hold our black men accountable. You know, that's sad. She didn't shoot herself. So he needs to answer. Yeah. I saw LeBron James um, post. He he was using um, a snippet of that quote from Malcolm X. I actually put that up um, the other day when they announced like news on the Breonna Taylor um, case, which I'm going to let Dice, you know, just give our listeners a little bit of update about the lack of justice that we're still facing for Breonna Taylor. Yes. So obviously Jordan's usually our legal person. Um, <laughs> and so since she's not here, I'm just going to say what she wrote for us. I'm keep it real with y'all because I don't want to mess any of it we're up. Not we're not lawyers. Yeah, we are not lawyers. We are not in law school. We rely on Jordan heavily for all that. But basically, as you all probably are aware of, there was no justice for Brianna Taylor. Officer Brett Hankinson was indicted with three charges of first degree wanton endangerment. I hope that's how that's said. Um, Jurors said several bullets he fired outside of Taylor's apartment on March 13th went into a neighboring unit where a pregnant woman, a man, and a child were home. So basically, to put that in layman's terms, that officer was not indicted for his actions that led to the actual killing of Breonna Taylor. But he was indicted for the disturbance to the people next door. (laughs) I just, uh, to be black in this country, man, I just... You know, it, oof, child, I don't know. I know God be knowing what he doing because only black people could handle like all this stuff on our shoulders. So killing her meant nothing. But, yep. oh, we're sorry to the family who lived next door. What? Like, I never would have imagined that they would make this about them. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. And I saw someone make a great point on Twitter. This um lady, she's a black woman. She's a nurse. She was like, She's like, I'm just going to break this down for y'all. She was like, if I go into the wrong room with the wrong medicine and give it to the wrong patient and they die, I'm going to lose my job, lose my license, and then go to jail. Why is it not the same with this situation? You were in the wrong home. You killed, you, well, you shouldn't have been killing anyone, but the person who died was not who you were looking for. I don't see why it's not as simple as, you lose your job, you go to jail, just like with any other profession. I don't understand well, their whole excuse. The, well, the go thing ahead, here is, and, and look, I agree with you all totally. But the thing here is, actually, Megan, they they were in the right home. They were in the home that they intended to go to. Uh, they knew what they were doing. And the reason they're saying that they're not being charged is because they announced themselves as police officers. They have a right. They had a no-knock warrant. I don't. So I guess once they bust in, then they said with the police, and then once her boyfriend shot at them, then they had a right to defend themselves. And ironically, I think they did shoot him, but they killed her. So, yeah. so, so. And, and long story short, when you I guess lay out the evidence, I, I'm a TV lawyer, uh, 
<laughs> I'm a TV lawyer. When you lay out the evidence, um, they did nothing wrong, is what they're saying. And yeah. that's why they're not being charged because they 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 intended to go into her apartment. And then right. there's so many other things circulating. There's I, I noticed uh well I, I ran across a TikTok video last night and they have a video, I don't know how legitimate it is, but they show the officers after the shooting walking through what they had done and talking it out so as though to make sure they all had their stories you know together mm-hmm. right and and removing any evidence but long story short they went into the apartment they intended to go into not considering the fact that the person they was looking for had already been arrested but they just had every intention of going into her apartment anyway right and so uh, miss candace owens and some of the others are uh, trying to downplay who she was and say she was heavily involved. So I don't know. I haven't seen any of that to, to prove that she was involved. They talk about a car that she had rented some years ago, I think. And they found the body in the car that she had rented and blase, blase, blase. So I don't know what that had to do. I think that was six years ago to what transpired that night on March 13th. Cause surely you wouldn't wait six years later to try to arrest exactly. somebody that you suspected. So, but anyway, you know, you hear a lot of narrative the one thing America is good at is trying to uh, victimize, I mean, uh, trying to criminalize mm-hmm. the victim, you know, mm-hmm. trying to always bring out the negative of the victim. They try to justify the They try to justify the But it sounds to me like they went in there with every intent to kill because they look, if every it had intent. been a reversal and we had gone into a white person's apartment, they would have done <laughs> the exact same thing mm-hmm. and they would have shot at the police and had the policeman been black, probably all hell would have broke loose. And we oh, would have yeah. been trying to, to uh, defend their actions. So, you know, it's it. I, we got a long way to go, y'all. We got yeah. a long way to go. And I do remember reading that. I do remember um, reading about how they did intend to go like into her apartment, but it's not her that they were technically looking for. I think like when I watched all the stuff on the news, because at some point I was like, I got to stop watching stuff about this case. It's just too much. But I think for me, it was just like the lack of attention to detail. Like you were saying, like they didn't even know that the person they were looking for had already been arrested. Mm-hmm. You know, how how on the job are you? I mean, I don't know if they were like having drinks, having donuts, whatever, before they went in. Like, but it's just, you know, it's just so much neglect. And I hate that that resulted in not only her losing her life, um, and, you know, I know her family got that money, but you know, money can't fix Mm-mm. what happened. And and I think, I don't know, maybe some people would disagree with me, but for me, it's almost like I would almost rather not have the money. You mean to tell me that you're going to stand there in a court of law and say that, oh yeah, we'll indict him for endangering the, the neighbors, but you know, nothing for the death, nothing for, for you. Sorry. You know, it's just well, what it is. I think the media has done an excellent job at uh, demonizing black people. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think, you know, everybody see, they fear black people. And so every, I'm sure every, because, I mean, look at how black policemen handle black um, people. Yep. And so we've yep. been criminalized. We've been, uh, what is it? Uh, we're just these villains, villainized and uh, with evil and demons. And, and so, you know, they just come at us with a very negative, I think, uh, you know, just fearful 
behavior. And that mm-hmm. is sad because that's truly not who we are. Mm-hmm. And and that I think is a reflection. Uh, most of these police departments are being trained by this guy who teaches them the, you know, this whole knee press and all of these tactics that are meant to really disable to possibly kill uh, the people. But if you see when a white police officer arrests or attempt to arrest a white person, they rarely use any of these tactics. Mm -hmm. They only use Mm -hmm. these tactics on black people. And so Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what the conversation is because in their mind, they fear us. Because in white people's mind, they think we hate them. That's what I think. I think they think we hate them. And look, Mm -hmm. I can understand why they think that. But we don't. That's the sad part is we don't hate them. And so they come at you with that whole mindset, with that whole idea that they hate us, they're going to hurt us. And so I got to, you know, I just got to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And and that's not, you know, so if you've ever had a traffic stop, you know, when the the cop come up to the car, they come very aggressive and defensive. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to tell you why they stopped you and it's very demanding mm-hmm. and it's, it's out, it's downright disrespectful, you know, yeah. it's, it's really disrespectful. So they think we can't control ourselves and that we're inherently violent. So we're just going to fly off the handle as soon as they come up to us, right. you know, yeah. right. they come in on the, on the defensive mode immediately. And I think the media has, has caused that. I, I think the media uh, has absolutely. really caused that. And so yeah. now we're having to try to defend that whole mindset that that's not who we are. That, you know, we are humans, but you, I mean, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. So we, we got a lot of work still to do. We do. And um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's just sad all the way around, honestly, the way that we're treated. I do look forward to the day where hopefully we can say, oh, that was then, this is now. Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I know that's a long time from now. <laughs> but I do want to um, acknowledge really quick that, so today is September 27th by now, um, Everyone already knows, and you'll especially know if you didn't know. Now you know. Um, <laughs> just wanted to acknowledge the passing of um, Ruth Gator Ginsburg. Such an awesome lady. Really paved a lot of paths for women just to have some of the rights that we should have already had, um, you know, in this country. And she passed away. Was a great, great, great lady. Um you know, I was looking forward to them replacing her with someone of equal stature on the Supreme Court, but we'll see how that goes. But I just want to acknowledge her passing and she fought hard and she did a lot of work and a lot of us, um, just as women, you know, definitely can thank her for some of the basic things that we're able to do today on our own without a man. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And, you know, for those who didn't know, definitely um, pay your respects in some sort of way. But we thank y'all so much for listening in. We are so excited to have Miss Val on with us. Hopefully this will not be the last time y'all get to hear her opinions. But make sure you tune in for the next episode of Not Your Average Black Girls. Bye. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.